0: child-free besties welcome to the no bibs burps bottles podcast the number one podcast that focuses on empowering highlighting and celebrating african-american women who are child-free wonderfully made and live in their absolute best child-free life i am your host and favorite child-free bestie dr angela l harris Here on the No Bibs, Burps, Bottles podcast, we aim to dispel the stereotypes and assumptions that child-free sisters are lonely, unfulfilled, and unhappy without motherhood and children. So join in on the discussions, which will feature intimate one-on-one interviews, the occasional themed and bonus episodes, and my personal journey and experiences of being a child-free content creator and expert. Remember, womanhood is not synonymous with motherhood. So hey everyone, welcome to another episode of No Bibs, Burps Bottles. I am your host, Dr. Angela L. Harris. always like to tell people that I go by Dr. Harris, I go by Angela, I go by Dr. Sarah. I am so excited to welcome you to the podcast if you're listening or if you're watching this on YouTube. I'm excited to have you and thank you so much for joining us. So we're going to jump right in with this bonus episode and I have a special, special, special guest that I'm so excited to chat with this evening and dive right into it. So I welcome to our audience, No Bibs, Burps, Bottles, family, child-free besties, Mr. Dane Reed. He's an author. I'm not going to steal the show. I'm going to let Mr. Dane Reed share a little bit about him. But again, this is a special bonus episode, and I know that you're in for a treat. So Dane, welcome to the No Bibs, Burps, Bottles. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. That was a good intro. I appreciate it, Dr. Angela. I really appreciate you having me on and taking the time to read my book. And, and, you know, when you when you got back to me and you said that you enjoyed it, I was like over the moon because as an artist, you know, as an author, you're an artist. And as an artist, you always want people to appreciate your work. So I, I'm super excited to be here. So thank yes,
0: you. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for agreeing to, uh, when I reached out to you and I initially saw you on Instagram, I'm like, okay, black child-free brother. Yes. I want to hear his story. (laughs) And I get a lot of sisters in my DM who's like, you know, they're asking where are the brothers, where are the brothers? And I I did a podcast with four brothers. And then when you came out with the book, I said, I have to have this as part of my child-free book club. Right. And so I'm excited and we're going to jump right into it. But before we do, yeah, we are talking about Dane Reads book now it's not showing up as much as I would like it to
1: let me see if I can get it on my end too I got that's not showing up on my end as well either but I gave you a bunch of my reasons although not quite a thousand but (laughs) I mean it could go to a thousand yes I had to stop I had to stop writing at some point yes you know so
0: but I could have kept going if you kept writing that's the type of book it is, I would have kept reading if there were more pages. And I actually love, you guys can't see this. um, For those who are watching on YouTube, you can see it. But there's this, I love how you have the forget, like crossed out, like forget having, (laughs) I like, I mean, like just the title itself.
1: So it's really just the O-R-G-E-T that's crossed out F is still there. <laughs>
0: yeah, and we know what that F is for. <laughs> right. So I love it. I love it. So for those who don't know, Dane has written a book um, about being child free and his experiences of being child free. What was that defining moment that made you sit down and say, I'm going to write as a male child free male about my experience.
1: COVID. COVID did it. Um, When I started seeing everybody who had children and the difficulty that they were having educating their children at home. So I used to work in the school system and I realized when I taught in the school system that I did my part and then I came home. I didn't have to worry about all the extra things, feeding, clothing, um, doing, you know, post education, education. But it really resonated with me when COVID hit. And parents had to do those things. Parents had to take the extra two, three, four layers to not only protect, but educate their kids, to uh, make them aware of what was going on. That was a hard situation to try to explain to a two, three, four, five, eight-year-old what was going on. There were were 28, 38, and 48, and 58-year-olds who didn't understand it at the time. And I recognized that I only had to protect myself. That's all I had to do. And the most stressful thing about it for me was not being able to travel. Because I'm a traveler, that's what I do. And I spoke to friends who have children, recognizing the stress that they were under. And I just said, yeah, let me write that stuff down, you know? And I drew from my experience working in the school system, and I told some of the stories of my close friends, and I also talked about myself growing up. And this book is as much about life as it is about not giving life. And life and its challenges why a person like myself, like yourself, Like so many other people, 20% of the U.S. population doesn't have children. 44% of people 18 to 49, according to Pew, say they're never going to have kids. This book gave reason for and a voice for us, for those people. But I also wanted to make sure that it bridged a gap between us and parents and people who don't understand, who have children, so that they can get a good laugh out of life, and they can get a good laugh out of parenting, so that they can get a good laugh out of the things that the crazy things that their kids do, right? And I I wanted them to join in on the laugh and like, we all get the joke.
0: I'm curious to know, Mm -hmm. now that this book is out there, and I like to say that even though we don't have kids, we birth our dreams, we birth our desires. And I read at the end of your book, you said this is one of your greatest accomplishments. And I see it as this, this birthing of your greatest accomplishment. And so I'm curious to know what has been the reception?
1: I am extremely humbled by the reception for this book. People genuinely enjoy the book people are getting it so what i wanted to make sure was that i made my point but it wasn't threatening you know it was in it's enjoyable even if you're the person who absolutely loves your kids and hates my position of me not having kids when you start reading this book you're going to forget all about that until the end and then you'll remember your position again and then you'll say yeah but i disagree with you if you look for instance on amazon you know the the reviews are overwhelmingly like positive you know i mean people some people did a really good analysis of it other people just said this is this is funny and this is good you know but i i really 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 am humbled by the reception for this book.
0: And that leads me to one of my other questions, humor. Like, let me tell you, reading this book, there were so many times where I just busted out in laughter. And I wrote a couple of yeah. things in regards yeah. to baby batter and sex partners and <laughs> to, trade, yeah. to trade sainthood for sins. When you were talking about the, yeah the bumping, grinding, there were so yeah. many times where I just busted out laughing because you made the point, but it was also so much humor. So I was curious to know, like, is that a natural gift of yours? Was that intentional? Yeah. Are you a naturally funny guy? And that just came through with ease in the book.
1: Yeah. It, you know, I had just watched Everybody Hates Chris for the first time during the pandemic. Cause you know, I had all this time And that voice was in my head, but I've always been around two kinds of people, really, really intelligent people and really, really funny people. Sometimes there's an intersection between the two of them where there's really intelligent, really funny people, but I've, I've always kept people around me who were very knowledgeable, but also, people around me who just didn't take themselves so seriously. And also too, I'm from New York, where we played the dozens with each other all the time. I have all these influences, and maybe you picked up on this, I've always loved like smart rap music. And so I like playing with words, you know? I like um, manipulating words. And when you see, when you read the book, you can tell that there's a lot of manipulation of words. There's a lot of double entendres in the book, right? It means one thing, but it also means something else, right? And it's, and if you read it too fast, you're going to miss a lot of them. Yes. But you know, if you're really focused on it, you get it.
0: Was a little bit of that part of it so that things can be digestible because you really Absolutely. dropped a lot of nuggets that people will, like you said, will either miss or truly get.
1: I did that intentionally. I wanted to write a book where left and right both were able to sit at the table, blue and red were both able to sit at the table and and eat at the same meal. Right. So I wanted to make sure that we it was enjoyable. I didn't, I don't want to fight about this. Um, the truth of the matter is you know my life choices are a, are not a democratic process mm. so when i express my my life view when i express my choices it's not up for debate
0: i mean okay let's talk about mike like mike mike was okay, a yes. good person
1: mike is a
0: friend in the book
1: mike and i are going to el salvador in 2 weeks we're going to Berlin in four weeks and Turkey. Mike is my ace. Like, you know, we have been all over the place together and been through some experiences. This is the kind of history that Mike and I have, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, he's well, I- he's a fun guy. He's a wild character, mm-hmm. but that's who he is.
0: And I loved how I, I-, I could see the friendship and the support That you have for Mike and that Mike has for you in the book, but Mike also experienced a little bit of drama. So again, you're going to have to read the book to find that out based on where you are, Dane, in your life and now putting it out there for the world to see in regards to being a child free male. What do you think Mike has picked up from you? Like, what do you think are the things that he values from your experience being a child free male and also writing this book?
1: Mike hasn't learned a damn thing. I got to tell you guys. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> you know, it goes back to, <laughs> I just, I'm just being honest, you know, um, you know, Mike, Mike read what I, um, what I wrote about him. And he, he just, he just said, F you Dane and laughed about it. You know, <laughs> but he, 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 these are all details that he got. Look, um, Mike has ha- had to learn from his own experiences. Luckily for Mike, um, you know, he's a smart guy. He is now a, you know, more stable guy. He's married. He has a, um, he's he's in a stable marriage, um, but he hasn't learned a, a single thing from me. Um, I try to uh, impart some things on him and he's like, whatever, Dane, you know, that's just, that's just who he is. That's, that's who my friends are in general. Um they they can get a good laugh out of, you know, my life. I get a good laugh out of theirs and uh they still don't change. I they love this, yeah.
0: You will you fall in love with Mike. You actually fall in love with yeah. all the people in your book from your parents to your brothers like you did a great illustration of your experiences. So going from Mike um, and I'm glad that he's in a better place. I want to talk <laughs> about your your parents and the way okay. you illustrated, you know, your upbringing and, you know, at the point where your brothers mm-hmm. transitioned and you were the only child. And so when I talk to child-free sisters, they're like, my parents, they they keep nudging me to have kids. They keep nudging. It, it comes at different points, whether it's the 20s or the 30s, or the, you can still have a baby at 40. So where are your parents today? Like, is I'm, I'm wondering from a male's perspective, are you getting that nudge? Like, there's still time for us, for you to give us grandkids.
1: So it's really interesting because my parents, when they had me, their greatest objective was for me to live my life in a in a good place in a happy place for me to pursue my dreams my parents have supported me as I built my business as I became a voiceover act voice actor Um, and they have take they have seen me in places where I have risen and places that I have fallen they have understood my struggles and I talk about my struggles throughout the book, whether they're financial or whether they're um, emotional, psychological, whether they're dealing with relationships, insecurities, et cetera, et cetera. And my parents have been there for me in every step of that. They haven't always understood, but they still supported. And so the most important thing for my parents has always been that I'm okay. So whatever decision that I make in that, the result is the most important thing. My parents have grandchildren from my brothers. They're fine with where they are. They never pressure, never pressured my brothers to have children. And they've never pressured me to have children. And so they're not like, hey, you got to have kids so that we can have grandkids. My, my parents spend a lot of time uh, concerned over the future of their grandchildren. They understand, right? They, they try to take an interest in not just, oh, I have grandkids, but what is the status of their grandkids? Are they, are they safe? Are they healthy? Are they being educated? What is going to be their future? You know, those things are just important to my family.
0: Yeah, so I have I have another question in regards to, you reference your parents and you have a yeah. part in the book where you're, ty- t- uh, you're talking about older parents and younger parents. And I thought that chapter was really powerful. Say more about that in the state of, there's some people deciding not to have kids because they're like, kids are just out of control and we don't have those old school values. And so you wrote elo- eloquently about those type of um, groups in your book. So I just wanted to hear you say more about that and your
1: thoughts. Yeah, so deciding on what, when to have children is is a tough decision, right? Because what happens is you can start off early having children, but then it often messes up with career opportunities, particularly when it comes to women, right? Right. Um, or you can decide to have kids later in life. You can be in the club, dropping it like it's hot, you know, doing all the things that you know 20 uh, something year olds do, and then settle down and then have older children. What you bring to your children when they're older is life experience. You've made some of the mistakes or a lot of the mistakes in life. And you can basically say to your kids, hey, don't do this. You have a demeanor that's different that you, than you had when you were in your 20s, hopefully. Um, I know that I do. You know, I have a much greater maturity about me now, a much greater certainty about me now. And there are lots of studies that show that, for instance, um, children who have older parents tend to be more mature they tend to be less destructive. They tend to be more advanced in school, um, more serious about, you know, education and about life, et cetera, et cetera. So there are great advantages, um, to that, but then, you know, you then have a kid who when you're 50, they're 10 and you're too old to throw the ball around, or you don't really want to, you, it's just like, oh man, this again, you know, you can't relate to some of the to the new terms that the kids are using. But then it's also harder to relate to younger people and relate to your kids and understand what the slang is and the customs are.
0: Kind of moving from the parent, um, the parent, older parents and younger parents. I'm curious to know a little bit about just this, and I don't want to say breakthrough, but you actually like claiming this child-free life that's really important to you, that you feel comfortable in. And I think for men, for men of color, for Black men, it could be- And I also
1: want to point out um, my heritage because I'm a Jamaican-American as well. My family is Jamaican. My grandparents on- on their, their father's sides were uh, both uh, Jamaican men who are often very boastful. Um, I have, uh, my grandmothers were both Cuban uh, ladies. But um, yeah, so my grandfather, and I talk about that as well. Um, my grandfather was not a responsible uh, kind of guy, you know, who had 20, up to I think twenty seven is a is a rumored number. He does he never knew how many children he had. So um, I didn't want to be that and and um, and there's an irony in the last chapter um, of that doctor who who was also Jamaican and knew my grandfather and and that's uh, something that you know I won't ruin it for people, but you know that's like absolutely crazy that he knew my grandfather. And uh, yeah, there's no, it, it's difficult um, speaking to other people um, who want to engage me in um, kind of a, a an argument of sorts.
0: As you talk about the cultural piece of you know, because I, mm-hmm. I do think that the space is dominated by child-free women, right? And so I think it's yes. refreshing when men can share their experiences. But uh, with that being said, the big V, the vasectomy, right? And yeah. it's this I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cut off my manhood. And so yeah. I'm curious to know how you have navigated that when men try to challenge you, like, dude, you you really went through with that, opposed to Maybe some people who have five, six, seven, twenty kids out there. So tell me a little bit more about this. How do you navigate you being intentional about having a vasectomy and people mostly men challenging you about that in your manhood?
1: Well, this goes back to, you know, my history growing up in new york and and shooting the dozens with people, right? Like, I'm probably not the guy that you want to, you know, be funny with, right? So like, oh, man, you cut off your manhood. No, it still works. Send your woman over. We'll we'll, we'll prove it to you, you know? <laughs> but I think for one thing, there's a lot of misinformation um, with men in regards to vasectomy. They often think that after they have a vasectomy, things won't work properly. Uh, it's not just... Oh, well, I won't be able to have children anymore, but they think they'll have erectile problems. They believe that uh the amount of um baby batter, as I pointed out in the book, won't be uh it won't be as strong when they, you know, when they're released. They want, they want that roar and they think it's gonna be more of a poof you know, but I assure you, it's a roar. <laughs> you know, it works. I'm 45 years old, it still roars, okay? I, I promise you guys. I assure guys that they're going to be okay. I can tell you that there are experiences that some of these same guys have had being dragged in court arguing on the street with you know with women that they no longer want to being involved with but they're stuck to for 18 25 years whatever the law is you know some of those same guys are still just concerned about the roar.
0: Hey, I'm stopping my own YouTube video and podcast episode to let you know about NoBibsBurpsBottles.com. That's right. Stop and visit our website today. We have a bunch of awesome child-free pride merchandise made especially for you. Visit NoBibsBurpsBottles.com today. Peace. So, Dane, again, so many great chapters, so much humor But kind of maybe transitioning a little bit about just um, men in general. But I know the sisters that I talk to in regards to no bibs, burps, bottles, there's this defining age of 30. Like 30, you have to be married, you have to have kids, you have to have the house and the dog. You just have to have it all together. I'm Wondering, you know, from your perspective as a child-free male, like, was there any pressures along the way? Like, again, societal pressures of like, 30, like what's that magical number for men that you must have kids, you should be married, should, should, should.
1: Yeah, so in my first chapter, I talk about the word should and that I think that it should be banned. I think people have to define themselves. And throughout my life, I have always been a little bit different. And I've never been afraid to be different. It's really difficult for me to talk about People who aren't different, uh, um, because I just don't relate to that. I don't know what that number is for men. I think a lot of men get caught in experiences uh, because they're they're just trying to have a good time, and and as I talk about, I was also um, almost caught, you know, several times in some really bad situations. And I I think it just happens and we go and grow with it. I don't think, I don't remember being five years old talking about when I needed to get married or when I needed to have kids. But I remember being five years old, little girls playing with Barbie and saying that they wanted to get married and that they wanted to have kids one day. I'm just, the experiences are just not the same. The the messages that society tells us, that our families tell us, are just very different. I think what's awesome is that, that those things are changing. Um, as you point out, womanhood is not defined by mother motherhood, right? I think that we are all allowed to be our greatest selves. And whenever that time is, that's right for you to make any big decision, you will know it and you will execute it because it will be part of your journey for greatness. So I have just, people putting pressure on themselves and I, I understand for women, making that decision in a certain timely manner is more crucial for men as i point out um men can keep squirting up to death so i understand the pressure that women have to do it between generally you know people start looking at 25 to to 40 you know um and ideally somewhere around 30 years old it's different if you if you're going to make that decision you probably want to make it in that time but you know i'm i'm not a guy who pushes anybody to make that decision i i discourage that decision you know so you know rock on have a good time in your life
0: mm-hmm. you know so we've talked about mike we got to get uh-huh. to ben and jessica Is it Ben and Jessica, right? Yes. So they were an interesting couple and interesting. So
1: so here's here's a secret about Ben and Jessica. Ben and Jessica are a representation of friends that I did not want to name. They are not just one couple. Ben and Jessica are multiple people in my life who I thought would be too hard to explain if I said, um, well, there's this couple named, you know, Sarah and Tim, and then there's this other couple. So I rolled all of these people and all of their problems into this representation of Ben and Jessica. And so what you're hearing are multiple people's stories.
0: So with that being said, like how do these individuals, Support you in your child free life, right? So, I think as child free individuals, we're going to the birthday parties, and maybe you have a goddaughter or a godson, or you're, you know, your uncle Dane to somebody. But how do your friends who have all these different dynamics rolled up into Ben and Jessica, how do they support you as a child free individual?
1: I think, um, more so, I support them as parents then they support me as a child, child child-free individual. They, they don't have the the level of flexibility to support me. Um, I support them when they call, when they have a few minutes in their car coming home from work. And, you know, before they, before they get with the kids and everything like that, and it's too chaotic, they call me on the phone and, and we talk. I, I, don't often call my parent friends. And because I already know they're screaming in the background, uh, running around, there's arguing, you know. So I wait for them to call me and they know that I'm here. You know, we can still laugh and joke about, you know, things that are going on, things that used to go on when back in the day when they were cool. Um, but just, you know, um, but in terms of me, listen, since I've written this book before I've written this book, I have had so many people say to me, gosh, I wish that I could do what you do. You know, they see me on Instagram. They see me on Facebook and they see what I'm doing. They see that I'm, you know, mostly having a good time. Not that it's all easy. It's not all easy, but I'm enjoying a good good part of my life and they share in that story more so than I share in their stories. They're more fa- fascinated by what I do than I am by what they do because when they tell me their stories, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 of them, those stories are so similar that I can roll them into two characters, Ben and Jessica. My parent friends are my friends. um, And I don't think that they look at me as the, oh my gosh, you know, we got to support him. He's about to fall apart. No, I got to support you. (laughs) (laughs) You're You're the one with the problems, buddy.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. And I love that there was a part where you, where someone asked you to watch the kids and literally before I read the next line I was like hell to the no like and you were like to to know. Yeah,
1: no, I wasn't gonna do it at my house <laughs> I was like no
0: and that's a stuff huge yeah you know? that's a huge yeah a
1: so, huge
0: so chapter 23 was um a, a good chapter for me because I, I'm also a mental health advocate and former yeah. therapist. And in mm-hmm. this chapter, you talked about mental health, which I think is important. Yes. You know, you're child-free or becoming a parent. I wanted you to talk a little bit more about why writing that particular chapter was important. What What came out for you while writing that particular chapter? Cause it was, it was pretty um, yeah. deep.
1: When I did the audio book for that chapter, it was um, it was really hard for me to do. I had to take multiple breaks from that chapter. I talk about some very personal things from the death of my uncle and watching him die. Um, I talk about some struggles that I've had. Yeah, chapter 23 is the Anthony Bourdain uh, one And, and I also introduce people to who are not familiar with the idea of antinatalism without actually saying it. So, you know, I want people to understand that what may have been a good idea for your parents might not have been a good idea for you. You're the one, once you're born, no matter how much support they give you, you have to bear the brunt of the things that happen to you. Because when I went to the hospital and you know I've had some uh, some health problems in the past few years, my mother helped me get to the hospital, but she may have felt bad, but ultimately I'm the only one who's really in pain, right? When you have children, You have to remember that. That's something to consider. There's no consent slip that comes with life. You're making a decision for somebody else. So that's something that I wanted people to give some thought to. And so give real thought to what you're doing and how that affects the life of not just yourself, not just your partner, but this person that you're bringing into, in, into life. So I, I thought that was really important to share these experiences and these ideas that most people don't consider uh, in that chapter. I wanted to get deeper. And as you see in the book, I start getting more serious towards the end of the book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that chapter was, it was very emotional for me. And I have struggled um, with some mental health issues in my life, largely because of the pressures of should in life, uh, largely because, you know, financial pressures, because my parents, they did as best as they could. But I wasn't born into um, the the Hilton family or I'm not a Gates, you know, or, or any of those families, you know, I. I'm a Reed and what my parents had to offer me was what they built as much as they could for themselves and that wasn't enough to keep me from filing bankruptcy for instance or struggling to keep my business going you know which is my dream you know so those are things that um that I address yeah. in that chapter and and it's yeah, it's it's much more thought provoking in that chapter than than in others.
0: So in the okay. book, you you kind of reference your stroke game, right? And um you know that you're a master of that. Like, you know, you you know, I'm not making I'm
1: I'm not- you know, so you know, we take pride in that. that not- you know.
0: I'm not going to, I'm not going to give the spoiler alerts. You got to, I'm directing people to the book, but I'm curious to know, um, you talk about these encounters with child-free women and the benefits of that and mothers. And I know sometimes you're not necessarily diving into dating, but sometimes it's real when you're kind of, you know, whether it's friendships, you know, uh, intimate partner relationships. So I'm curious to know, do you think most people experience that? Like you got to, be quiet you know like I guess I'm curious to know like why yeah. was it important to put in the book
1: there that? was um listen uh, and I think this is this is a, a real thing especially um as you get older and you you're dating more and stuff like that you're gonna run into people who have children and I I of course did I've had some I had some experiences that I didn't share in the book um, you know, I, I remember, uh, working, uh, well, let me not tell too much. <laughs> well, I, I, I've had some situations where, you know, I was busted by people's kids, you know, um, it, <laughs> yeah, there, there have been some situations. So when you, when you date someone with kids, it, it changes the dynamic of how you interact with them, on a sexual level, as well. and I, I wanted to play around with that and have a little fun with it, um as as I did with so many other things. And then as as a man, there were times that I felt challenged by that. Let me see if I can make you, you know, bust and 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 just let it all out, you know, but then it's like, oh man. I don't want to scar these kids for life, you know. <laughs> I may have been broken up with their mommy like you know, fifteen years ago, but they still remember that one traumatic experience, and now they got to come see Dr. Angela for mental health, you know, because Dane Reed messed them up, you know. So um, I thought that was a I, great, I wanted to share great. Chapter. I wanted to share those kind of things, just those little things, those those things that basically just make us all laugh you you know I mean those those were fun things
0: and make us laugh but also things that are serious I think you know as childhood women you know I always ask the question what do you prefer because as you said most of the women most women who are still dating or desire to be married by a certain age you know most of the people you're running into have children so I thought that chapter although playful very serious because I think women like me and others are like do I really want to date this great guy who has a six-year-old or a three-year-old or an infant? Right. I posted right. something on my Instagram recently, like, no, if, you know, met this great guy, but he just had a newborn.
1: <laughs> right. You're not right. for
0: me. You're not for yeah. me. So yeah. Brittany and Carla. Yeah. That last chapter. Whew, huh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that so that is entirely a real situation. What really happened to me um, in two thousand and one.
0: That was that chapter. When we talk about, I thought the mental health one, chapter twenty three was that yeah. next chapter with those two. I was just like my mouth. But again, the vulnerability. So go ahead and and tell me because I have a follow up question, but I'm curious to know how it was how it was for you writing about Britney and, and Carla.
1: Yeah, so I was involved in a toxic relationship for four and a half years with the woman. And I I love this woman, but I knew I could never take this woman seriously. And, and, and in the first, the book of Brittany, you see why I couldn't take her seriously. Um, and so, but I continued this relationship because when you're young, you just wanna have fun, right? Like love means a whole different thing when you're in your early 20s than it does in your early 40s, for instance. And so, but I I was also wise enough to know that this couldn't go any further. And Brittany was a person who hurt me because she was a hurt person. And I continued to play on her hurt from my own selfish reasons until it came to a head. And Carla in the book was someone who um, who I actually went to school with. and we were good friends. and she was interested in me for, you know as a boyfriend figure, but she was cool with us, you know, not going, taking that step into being boyfriend and girlfriend because she understood that I had a girlfriend and and she felt that she got more out of me quite honestly than my actual girlfriend was getting. And so I I don't want to get into the spoiler of the chapter but there's a there's a hard hitting situation in that chapter that I think um especially men should pay attention to i mean i think after you read, yeah after you read that chapter go ahead don't worry about the poof or the boom just go get the vasectomy after that chapter
0: you have to get the book in order to really understand how powerful chapter 23 is in the chapter about Brittany and carla and i think from Chapter
1: 24 chapter- 24 yeah, chapter um, 23 and chapter 24 yes. are definitely the most powerful chapters.
0: Yes. And it the, the question that I had after all the wow moments, like literally when I got to the to the period and you asked the question of like, you know, you talked about forgiving yourself. I'm curious yeah. to know if you had the opportunity to sit in front of Brittany and to sit in front of Carla what would you say? What would that conversation be like and feel like for you?
1: I have to be really honest. Um, I do sometimes think about Brittany because we don't have any kind of contact, any social media contact or anything. Um, And and I worry about her, quite honestly, Uh, the direction of her life. I knew that The last time I spoke to her, she was married. um, And she did have a daughter at the time. And she continued her dysfunction in that. It's crazy. So I do worry and wonder sometimes where she is in the world. And if she is in the world, because because of the practices that she was involved in. It just makes me wonder if she's even in the world, right? Um, Carla, I had more, more communication with up to a few years ago. Um, I wanna say maybe 2016 or so, 2017, maybe we corresponded through social media and she has two children, she has a son and a daughter and they're probably grown now, actually. Um, so not worried so much about her, she had her head on straight. You know, the people who who got it together, you just wish them well and and they go about their way. The people who you've connected with, who, at least me, who were kind of very fragmented in you know the way that they thought and conducted their lives and um and shattered i I do worry and wonder about them, mm-hmm. so yeah I, I I do occasionally think about her,
0: mm-hmm. you know. And I think that is a good way to really conclude that this is an awesome book from beginning to end. You did a great job in capturing so many different stories, the humor by itself. It just takes you from story to story to story. I know that parents will get something out of this, right? When I was reading it, this would, like, if I'm thinking about having a kid, this is a book to read. If I don't want kids, this is a book to read. Like, so you did. a. If you have
1: kids, yes. this is a book to read, yes. you know? Yeah, yes. Yes. yes, yes. So
0: with with the writing um portion in general, what were the stumbling blocks, writer's block? How did you get through that? Anything that you will tell future writers who want to share their narrative um regarding their child free journey or whatever journey that is?
1: You know, in terms of writing, I have to say that I've been writing since I can remember. I've always learned love writing. My dad actually um, owns a bookstore and that's how we got through school, college, et cetera. That's how I was raised. I was raised in a bookstore. So I met a lot of writers throughout the days. Um, I, I got a chance to look at a lot of books So yeah, writing was something that I I loved, I absolutely love doing. But the process of writing for me, and I, I would recommend this for anyone who wants to write, is first start by writing your ideas down. Don't be pressured to write the whole book at one time. Write out what are your ideas, write out as many of your ideas as possible. How is this story going to go? How is this book going to go? Um, Then you want to organize your thoughts. Then you want to do pre-writing. And I think pre-writing is what really helped me with this book to put things together. You scribble down some things here. You write out a whole paragraph. Maybe it's incomplete. It's okay. Come back to it when you have a way to connect all of it. And you do that from chapter to chapter. And and that's what I did. So it's all about just just start writing. Write your ideas. And, you know, uh, like the church folks say, pray without ceasing. Write without ceasing.
0: You know, you
1: have to be consistent if you want a result. So even your bad ideas, write them out. At the end you'll edit some things out, and if you have a good editor, your editor will edit some things out. My editor edited things out. He was like, you're going too far. You can't put this in a book. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, you cannot say this. And I was like, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right on the line. Like, I'm right just short of stepping over the line of being canceled with this book. (laughs)
0: But it was it was done it was done eloquently. I can see where you're Dang. like I'm about to put my big toe over yeah, the line. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna pull it back. So again, yeah. the readers, the audience, you guys are in for a great treat. So Dane, please tell my listeners, my viewers, where they can find you. What else you have on the horizon? And any last pieces of nuggets that you like to share with no bibs, burps, bottles.
1: Well. If you don't own this book already, go to childfreebook.com. And hopefully, um, Dr. Angela, you'll leave a link in the description. Yes. So, yeah, go to the link in the description if you're on YouTube or any other platform. And Dr. Angela will will leave the link. Childfreebook, it's three words. It's easy to remember. As In terms of uh, where to find me, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I am most of the time. Um, I'm either Dane underscore read or forget having kids. I'm having fun is, is my page dedicated to this book where I put out all my child free content and stuff like that. And yeah, that, that's really it. I'm a, I'm a voice actor by day. This is, you know, I do that all day. You, you probably heard me no matter where you are, (laughs) you know, in North Carolina, I've been on the radio a million times uh, I've done you know TV commercials. I'm, I've done so much with my voice and now I have you know lent it to this book as well in, with the audiobook. So it's available on audiobook, ebook and paperback. you know So yeah the, that's that's me and you know when I'm not doing that I'm somewhere else in the world.
0: I'm yes, um, somewhere yes. else in the
1: world. So we we have some big things planned in terms of traveling. Uh, my girlfriend and I are going to the West Coast. My my goal is to reach all 50 states. Uh, so I will reach 40 of them in a few weeks. Mike and I are going to El Salvador. My goal is to reach every country on on land in North and South America. So I have have uh two more countries in north america so mike and i are going to el salvador we're going to berlin we're going to prague we're going to turkey um we're we're going you know mike is mike has to get a babysitter though i don't have to
0: (laughs) of course of course well he's a
1: babysitter
0: (laughs) dane it has been a pleasure chatting with you and for my viewers and my listeners I do hope that you enjoyed this interview with author. Trevor, I had so much fun. Voice over. So <laughs> thank you. thank uh, you. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. And I will put all the information on where you can find Dane Purchase's book in the description notes. I want to thank my no bibs burp bottles community for rocking with me, for following. If you like this episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, leave us a comment, leave Dane a comment on his Instagram. Yeah. But I just thank you for being in this space. And remember, you know, guys, how I end every episode. Womanhood is not synonymous with motherhood. Thank you guys so much for watching. Peace. You have been listening to the No Bibs Burps Bottles podcast, a podcast dedicated to the empowerment of African-American Black child-free women. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. And don't forget to share this podcast with another child-free bestie. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, keep living your best child-free life.